Hi, I'm Ewan Blakey, Senior Pastor of Oasis Church. I hope this message gives you hope and helps you take your next step on your Christian journey. We'd love to invite you to come and see us in person at 10 a.m. on Sundays or join us live every Sunday on YouTube. For more info, visit our website, oasischurchperth.com. So good. Well, we are in the middle of a series called Emotionally Healthy, what's the word? Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. That's a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? Emotionally healthy discipleship. What does that even mean? It's like too many words. What does that mean and is it important? Yes, it is important. You know, being healthy, we, we understand being healthy is important to us, isn't it? Being physically healthy is important. Well, being emotionally healthy is also extremely important. And it's something that I think that we overlook a lot of the way that we live our lives, especially for us Christians. But it's important that we have a healthy emotional way of living because, this is why it's important, the way that our emotions are wired, the way that we deal with our emotions, not only affects our well-being, our emotional state, but also, this is the important part, if we are emotionally healthy, we will be healthy in our dealings with other people. And that is really important. You want the people around you to be healthy, just like you've got to be healthy. Because if you're unhealthy emotionally, you're going to project, you're going to in- share all of your dysfunction with those, those your uh, emotional dysfunction with those around about you. And we don't want that, do we? No, that's bad. So let's focus in on, our, on being emotionally healthy. And today... I have the treat of sharing with you the title of today's message, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. That sounds even more complicated, doesn't it? Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. So it's really about being healthy in the way that we grow, in the way that we uh, impact and deal with the people around about us in the community. Sorry, I got this title of today's message completely wrong. It's... (laughs) It's not Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. That's the o- overarching <laughs> title. Today's one is, um, just wait for it. It's going to be really, really good if I can find it. See, you're just gagging for it now. You're desperate. Emotionally Healthy Communities. I got it. Emotionally Healthy Communities. And I can tell already by the vibe in the room that you are an emotionally healthy community. So maybe I don't even need to share today. I don't know. But having a, a healthy community is so important, is so vital for us. And some might say, aren't we getting a little bit new agey talking about emotions and talking, isn't this a bit too touchy-feely? Shouldn't we really, as a church, be focusing on more godly stuff, more bible sort of stuff, more Jesus-y stuff? like talking about repentance or talking about faith or talking about the end times. I don't know, all of these things. But it's all interconnected, just like we are a spirit, we're a soul, and we're a body all together in one. It's all mixed together. It's not like, you know, you, your, your spirit and your soul and your body are three garments in your rack at home and you can walk in and go, "Mm, what am I going to wear today? Is it going to be my spirit or is it going to be my soul or is it going to be my body that gets all the attention? It's not really the way that it works because it's all connected. So we need to make sure that all those parts of us are working in a healthy way. Amen? 
Am I making sense? Yes, you are. Hallelujah. Okay, I want to read to you a quote which comes from the book that we've been studying. It's by a guy called Peter Scazzaro. And he says this, Emotionally healthy discipleship... Oh, that's sorry, that's the name of the book. Oh, my goodness. Somebody... Where are the intercessors? Please pray. In a church culture that changes lives, people recognize that there is a disconnect when those who claim to love Jesus are experienced by others as defensive, judgmental, unapproachable, and unsafe. That's a bit sad, isn't it? I'll say it again. In a church culture that changes lives, people recognize that there is a disconnect when those who claim to love Jesus are experienced by others as defensive, judgmental, unapproachable, and unsafe. Yuck. And I'm sure if we went around the room today, every single person's going to have some kind of story, some kind of war story about how you've been treated or what you've seen, what you've witnessed in church of all places, which should be the safest place of all, which should be the most loving and accepting place of all. Unfortunately, lots of people get bitten by other sheep. Sheep bites a thing. And it hurts. But we should know better, shouldn't we, as the church? We should be better than that. And that's really what today is about for us to look at the way that we behave toward one another and realize, hang on, if some of these things aren't right, we can make some changes. We can do better. So to start out today, I want to look at, I'm going to list five things that help to explain. They don't answer all the questions, but they help to explain why we are the way that we are. I'm going to look at it, some really big things and some specific things as well. What are, that, what are the things that trigger us? Why do we get triggered in certain different ways, in positive and negative ways? And the fact that I'm using the word triggered, everyone knows what that means now, don't they? Because it's got nothing to do with a gun. It's a, it's a term that we use, that my kids use a lot. I'm getting triggered. I'm getting triggered right now. It means that something is impacting you in a way that's causing you to behave outside of your normal, healthy, emotional responses. So here's some things. The first one I want to look at is our biology. It's important to realize, like I said, spirit, soul, and body, it's all connected. It's not just one, not just the other. It's not just the spirit. It's not just the soul. It's also your body. Now, your body has certain responses in it. They're like reflexes, like you hit your knee and you get your patella tendon or your, your quadriceps muscle contracts and you kick, you kick out, right? That's a reflex that you don't have to think about. It just happens. Well, we have some other things that affect our emotional response. And I want to talk about the fight and flight response. You guys, if you did probably biology in year 12, science, where's Jimmy over there? Science teacher knows all about the fight and the flight response. It's... There are ways that we respond to things and they were so brilliant for us back when we were you know, being chased by a saber-toothed tiger or learning to su- having to survive some kind of attack. The cortisol kicks in, the adrenaline kicks in and bang, we can respond, we can run, like leap over giant rocks and we can escape, we can do everything that we need to do to stay alive. They're, they're amazing hormones that get released in our bodies. 
Unfortunately, in the, the day and age that we live in, we don't have saber-toothed tigers chasing us anymore. Hallelujah. 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 Um, we don't have people with spears chasing us, wanting to kill us. However, we have events, we have stressful emotion, uh, things that happen around about us, and our body still produces adrenaline like crazy. It still produces cortisol. It still produces these hormones that cause us to not use this wonderful part of our brain called the prefrontal cortex that goes kind of pushed to the side and um, some people have called it the lizard brain or the very core of our brain um, it's called something or other Jimmy can you help me out here amygdala. the amygdala okay well let's go with amygdala <laughs> um, no one's going to research this part of the, the talk I hope that part of our brain kicks in and it's so vital that we, we stop thinking because we don't need to think to survive, and, and we, we just act and we react. Like I said, it's great for survival. It's not so good if you get into a heated discussion with, with a driver who's just cut you off, or you, you're in a, a, in a workplace environment and you're, you've got this clash of ideas. If you allow that fight-flight response just to overwhelm you, it's going to... Re- it's going to lead to you not really responding in healthy ways because your brain stops working, basically, and your body starts reacting. That's not necessarily healthy. Now, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. You can't shut it down. This is the way that your body responds. However, knowing that it exists, knowing that it's there, should help you to understand, oh, okay, I'm I'm freaking out right now. Maybe I can just take a step outside and wait till I calm down just a smidge so I can use my brain and we can have a proper conversation. You guys relate to me so far? Okay. Second one is this. We all are blessed with different types of personality. Personalities. We're all wired in different ways emotionally. I wouldn't quite say that we're hardwired. We could almost say that we're softwired because our personalities can change over time. They can metamorphosized to some extent. They can change. In fact, some of our hard edges that we are born with or that we grow up with at a young age can be softened over time and we can develop ways of dealing with some of our rough edges. But we should learn, I want to encourage all of you as Christians, to learn your personality. And as you learn it, you're going to discover more about yourself. And before you tell me, no, I'm unique, I'm a unicorn, I'm a snowflake, there's no one else like me, there's only one of me, yes, yes, God loves you, you're unique, there's only one fingerprint just like your fingerprint, I get all of that, but if you, if you would understand and realize that there are certain classifications, there are people that are like you in an emotional way, there are people that are like you, have similar personality responses that you have, and it goes all the way back, this has been studied by people for thousands of years, so early Greek scholars, and I can't remember the name of the one, they came up with the four different humours of the body and he thought that there was sanguine, which is about blood, those people that are more extroverted. I won't go into all of those details, but he had an an idea and he came up with four different types of personality. Well, as time has gone on, we've got more sophisticated and there are more scholars that have researched and come up with different ways of classifying our personalities. Um, And so a common one that you might have heard of is called the Myers-Briggs classification, which fits us into about 16 
uh, different categories of way, ways that we behave, ways that we respond. Um, and I would encourage you, if you haven't done anything like that, to do it and to learn more about yourself, learn more about the way that you behave. In fact, we have live track today after the service, and in that, you will learn, Pastor Christy, um, who's just really beautiful, and she's married to me, which is extra good for me, um, she's going to be um, helping you to unpack some of those things about your personality to help you fit into this community, which is so important. Another one that we really love is is called The Road Back to You, and it's studying a, a classification called the Enneagram. No, not the pentagram, the Enneagram, um, which is a classification of about nine different categories. And that comes back, that was originated from the Desert Fathers many, many years ago in the early church who were trying to figure out ways that we respond, ways that we behave. I'm going to drink my water now. <laughs> Talking is thirsty work. Um, so I would encourage you, Ian Morgan Cron wrote the book, um, or co-wrote, The Road Back to You. So if you haven't read, if you're interested in those sort of things, have a read. It's really fascinating. Again, it's really important for you to discover more about yourself. How are you wired emotionally? And you might discover that there are certain things that, make you, that you're more vulnerable to than other people might be. For example, your, in, your degree of introversion or extroversion. Extroverts love to be around a party all the time, and they, they get really sad if they're on their own for too long. Beck Jenner, <laughs> who we love so dearly, but like, if, if you're extroverted, you want to be around wherever there's a party. If you're an introvert, and the stronger introverts prefer silence and solitude and being on their own, that's how they recharge their batteries. So for me, I'm more on the introverted side of things, and so I've got to know my limits. I love going to parties, I love hanging out with people, but there comes a time, there is somewhere in there a red line that if you cross that red line, I'm really no fun to be around. It's not good for me to be in a, group, a large group of people. I revert to like a three or a five-year-old and I start you know, rolling my eyes excessively and pulling on Christy's sleeve. Come on, it's time to go. Oh, please, can we go now? All of those sort of baby-like behaviours, because I, I, I'm not in a, a good place for me emotionally. So I need to know where my red line is, so that I, it's probably best that I don't go to that event today, and I just learn to recharge my batteries. All right, let's move on. Here's another one. Your history. Your history. The way that we've been raised by our parents has an impact on how we behave emotionally. Some of us, like my my dad, growing up in the 70s, he made a big deal of if an adult greets you, you shake him by the hand, good firm handshake, make sure you look him straight in the eyes, that's the way that adults should behave and that's how you gain respect. Um, others of us weren't given those sort of cues, weren't told they had to shake people's hand and give them a firm handshake. And I remember, you know, shaking other men's hand and, you know, it's the the limp sort of handshake. You're like, oh, what sort of man are you? You don't even shake hands in a firm sort of way. And then I got older and I discovered even in Aboriginal culture, correct me, Asher, if I'm wrong here, but um, looking people in the eye is, is not the way, is not a sign of respect. Not looking someone in the eye is a sign of respect. So all of the ways that we've been brought up has an impact on how we behave. And your history is important. For, for some of us, 
uh, there's been some kind of trauma in our childhood so that some of those things will trigger us uh, in a negative way. So seemingly for one person, um, say for example, some kind of disagreement or conflict uh, seems like no big deal. For somebody else who's had some kind of trauma, that is like a trigger for them and they can respond in a really negative outworking for them. So our history is really important. Why am I saying all of this? It's important for us to examine how we're responding and if we're responding in an unhealthy way, examine that, examine the reason why and if there is some kind of trauma there, then I would encourage you as Christians to work on dealing with those sort of things. It's not the sort of thing that you can just flick a switch and change overnight. I would encourage you to get some counselling. Go and see some professionals who can help unpack. What is the root of my behaviour? Why do I, When this happens, why do I always behave like this? What's the reason behind it? And there is healing. You can absolutely get healed from some of those things if you're willing to walk through them. Walk through your history. Walk through some of those traumas that might have happened to you as a, <clears throat> as a younger person. Because again, we're all walking, working toward living in a healthy community. Being able to love one another with full of respect. Okay, here's, here's the next one. It's environment. The environment that we live in has, is like there's pressure coming at us, especially in the society that, that we live in today. There's pressure coming at us from every single angle, which pushes us down, which forces us to respond. And we were talking about the fight or the flight response before. So some of those things can trigger a fight or a flight response in us, which brings out not the very best in us, not the very best in our emotional responses. So it's important for us to look at the pace of life that we're living. If you are redlining it every single day of the week and then you come home, you're not going to be able to give the best of your emotional you know, tank to the, those who love you the most. So I'd encourage you, where, where you possibly can, is carve out margin in your week. Carve out margin in your day so that it's not just all about the pressures of life coming in at you forcing you to have to respond in, in uh, possibly negative ways and give yourself time. Give yourself time to pray. Give yourself time to meditate. Give yourself time even just to sit and to enjoy. Okay, my final point is sin, our sin. There's also, on top of those things, Specifically, we can talk about our own sinful responses, our own sinful behaviours. Now, often we, you know, if you look at the trajectory or the arc of uh, our sinful endeavours, uh, they usually start out by thinking, well, it's not really too bad, it doesn't really Im impact anybody, so I'm going to just keep doing it. And for a while, you develop that sinful behaviour, which may not be right. If it continues and you keep telling yourself that lie, the behavior of sin becomes entrenched and it, it has a way of leaking out of us. It leaks out. You can't keep it in. You can't just keep it to yourself. It leaks out to a point of impacting you and impacting other people. So we have to examine our own soul. And If there's any sin behaviors or sin patterns that are there, you need to deal with them. You need to work on them. Okay, so that was the first half of the, the talk, and now it's time to read some Bible. 
I'm sure some of you are thinking, when is he actually going to get to the Word? And here we are. We've arrived, everyone. Um, this is the Word of God as written down by Paul. And we're going to read the, the, most of the chapter of Romans 12. Um, it's a really powerful chapter, like I said, written by Paul. And it, it, he's, he's sort of laying out for us ways of getting along. I'm sure he had the church that he was the the infant church that he was dealing with, wanting everyone to get along. And so he lays down a formula for how we can live together as a healthy church community. So I'm going to break it down into a few chunks and then we're going to reflect on them. So we're going to start with Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 1. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. There's a, uh, another translation which really stood out to me. J.B. Phillips says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. Don't let the world around you squeeze you, push you down, conform you into something that you're not supposed to be. My takeaway from this first passage is this. It's important for us to give ourselves in worship to God. This whole chapter is written out and Paul's kind of First point that he really wants, wants to make for all of us is we have to commit ourselves to worship. For us to be an emotionally healthy community, we need to be worshippers. We need to give Him first. The source of all life, the source of everything that we need, all that is good, it comes from heaven, it comes from God. So position yourself as a, as a person who's willing to lay down your life in worship to God. That's the... The first way that we get healed, the first way that we get healthy. It's not necessarily like, I worship God and automatically I change. But if you get into the habit of giving yourself, you know, notice the words he says, lay down your life as a living sacrifice. You're giving yourself wholeheartedly to him as a living sacrifice. And when we do that, transformation begins to take place on the inside of us. In fact, he says, don't be conformed from the outside, but be transformed from the inside out. Don't let confirmation take place from the world, but let transformation take place from the inside. How is that going to happen? It's going to happen when we position ourselves under the waterfall of God's mercy, His grace, His love. That transformation is going to take place in your life. And talking again about margin. Carve out margin in your day. Carve out margin in your life to be with God, to be with Him. And that can look different to a whole lot of different people. It might mean meditating on the Word of God, allowing His words to kind of roll around in your heart, to bring transformation to the inside of you, to the, the way that you respond, the way that you think. It might mean just sitting. It might mean just staring at a tree. That might just sound weird and tree-huggy. But honestly, staring at trees is really good. Staring at the ocean, staring at the horizon, just letting your eyes go a little bit, bzzz, 
you're kind of disconnecting yourself from all the busyness of all your thoughts and you're allowing the Spirit to begin to speak to you, the Holy Spirit. Just be careful, just a quick note of warning, perhaps. You know, it's easy when we're tired and we come home and we just want to veg, we just want to have some time just to be on the couch and watch TV, you know, binge on Netflix, those sort of things have their place. But if that's the only way that you kind of recharge your batteries, it's not going to fully realign you with heaven. It's not going to fully realign you with what you, the way that you need to, to get free and to get healthy. So I want to encourage you, by all means, do some of those things. But make sure there's time in your day and your week to actually be before the Lord. Because that's the thing that's really going to recharge your batteries. All right, let's move on. Verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each one has, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. I don't know how you feel about that last line. I found that quite challenging. Each member belongs to all the other, others. He uses the example of the human body. The human body is made up of it's an extraordinary... We are an extraordinary piece of work. David said, you are fearfully and we are fearfully and wonderfully made. It's, it's just incredible to me that we have fingers, toes, we have nerves, we have skin, we have blood supply, we have this heart, we've got all these organs that produce hormones, we have a brain that thinks. It's just ex- extremely complicated. And Paul is saying each part p- plays its part. It's so important that each part of the body does its thing for it to function, right? So too, the body must function when each person does their part for the, for the body to of Christ to function in a healthy way. If there's a part that's not playing its part, there's dysfunction. There's something that's not working right. We sort of think that our toes are not important because they're just, they look gross and they don't seem to do that much. But you wait till you have a broken toe or your toe's not working. Ask Johan about toes. I'm sure he'll be able to tell you all about them. How good they are and how amazing they are. It's really important that your toe works well. I'm sure it's really important for balance. You know, I can stand on my tippy toes because I have got toes. So it's really important. Every single little bit of us makes a difference. You are important to the body of Christ. You are important. You are vital. Each single one of you play, should play an important and significant part in the body of Christ doing its thing. The other thing he's saying is this. Well, this is my interpretation. Isolation breeds pride. When we isolate ourselves from the body, we separate ourselves from the body, thinking that we don't need the body. It engenders, it builds up a certain pride in ourselves. Paul's saying, judge yourself with sober judgment. Connect yourself in. When we're, when we're part of a community, when we're part of a body, and we do it well in healthy ways, it engenders or it builds humility. That's why we encourage you guys to be part of a small group. 
I just love what Jordan was saying before about being part of a, a, com- a smaller community where you can actually do life together with other people, where you can have some of those more difficult conversations, where you can go deeper than what we can do just on a Sunday morning. All right, let's keep moving. Verse 9, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it's mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. What's my takeaway from this amazing list that Paul's just laid out? It's really important that we work hard at getting along. We'll break it down into three parts. Worshipping God, the vertical component, is important. We have to do that. That's part of your Christian journey, your worship. We're not just talking about the self-help component of our Christianity, which is what we've been talking about, dealing with our emotions, getting healed, getting well. That's really important, and that's part of your emotional progress. But Paul is also saying it's important that we are part of a community, not just a bench warmer, not just someone who sits on the, on the sidelines and watch, watches everyone else do it. The church needs you to be part of the body, to play your part, to do all these lists of things that he was talking about, practicing hospitality, being kind, rejoicing with those who rejoice, mourning with those who mourn, living in harmony with one another. There's this horizontal component that is vital too for the church to be a healthy community. So I'm going to leave you with this final question. Where are you at in your journey? Where are you at? Let me ask you a few key questions. Are you willing to give your life as a living sacrifice? Holy and pleasing to God. That's really the first thing that Paul laid out. To give your life up. To give yourself up to Him. You know, we struggle sometimes. We know that we're not right. But we don't want to take that step into giving ourselves to God. But I want to encourage you and ask you that question. Are you willing to take that step to, li- to lay your life down for Him? Are you willing to face up to some of the things in your past that hurt you or maybe still haunt you? Because until you're willing to face those things as painful as they are, 
It's going to affect your behavior, your emotional behavior, the way that you treat other people. And it will continue to do so until you get to that point of recognition, realization, and healing. Are you willing to face those things? And if you need some practical handles, we'll be able to, to give you the names of some counselors who can help you go on that journey. Are you willing to look under the hood, as uh, Matt said last week, at your own personality, your own behaviors, to learn about your strengths and your weaknesses? Learn about maybe some of your sharp edges that you can't see. Like I said, Christy's doing Life Track very soon, straight after the service today. And in that, you'll be learning a little bit more about your personality. Are you willing to look at some of those things? And finally, are you willing to commit to being part of this community? It's more than just attending church on a Sunday. What's your next step going to be? You could start by building deeper relationships by joining a small group, being part of a smaller community where you can do life together. You might be using the gifts and the talents that you have to contribute, being your part of the body of Christ that adds value. And like I said, every member of the body is vital to the life of the body. There's a whole bunch of things that I've just laid out, opportunities for all of us to grow. I want to encourage you, sometimes we think in isolation. We think, if I'm unhealthy, that, as long as I'm not hurting anybody else, that doesn't matter. But I beg to differ. Because when we hurt, ultimately, it radiates out of us. And our dysfunction affects other people. Just in the same way that us getting healthy and us getting well and us doing our part has a positive impact on the body of Christ. 